The previous Mishnah taught that the Karim Pesach was brought in three different groups of the Jewish people. As well as that, we learned in the previous Mishnah that the Karim would stand in rows, long rows, and each of the Karim would be holding either a silver or a gold utensil for the sake of receiving and transporting the blood of the Karim. So the Mishnah continues to describe the process which took place. Shochat Yisrael, a Yisrael would shecht the Karim Pesach, the act of slaughtering the animal, or any carbon really, does not actually need to be done by a Kohen. Even a Yisrael or a Levi could do the Shechita. However, after the slaughtering, from the next stage in the process, from the Kabbalah Saddam, when the blood was received, from that point onwards, everything needs to be done by Karnim. As the mission indeed says, the Kibbalah Kohen, and then a Kohen would receive the blood in his utensil. Noisah he would give that utensil which now has blood inside, to his friend, meaning to the next Kohen along the line, and his friend would give it to the person next to him, and they would continue doing that across the line. And each Kohen would receive a full utensil, meaning a utensil with blood inside, and then return an empty utensil in the opposite direction to the person who gave him the full utensil. Because if you think about it, after they would pass the blood from one person to the next, they would get to the end of the line, and then they would actually pour the blood onto the Mizbeach. And then that utensil would be empty. And so that empty utensil, the last cone in the line, would pass it back to the person who's next to him. And that way there'd be constantly an empty utensil going in one direction, away from the Mizbeach, back to the beginning of the line. And there would be a full utensil going towards the Mizbeach, again one cone passing it to the person next to him. Now it should be noted that the Mishnah makes a point of saying that one should receive the full utensil before giving back an empty utensil. And the reason for this is because of an important mitzvah known as Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvahs. That is to say that if somebody has a mitzvah in front of him, then he should do that immediately instead of doing something else first. So over here the mitzvah is the taking the, the full utensil which has blood inside because you are basically bringing that nearer to the Mizbeach and Hilocha transporting the blood from once it's been received towards the Mizbeach, that is considered part of the Avodah of the Beis Amikdash and the Korban, and so therefore you receiving that is considered part of the service of the Korban, which is not the case when it comes to giving back the empty utensil. Although ultimately that will allow for more mitzvahs to be done, because we're giving back the empty one so that it can be filled again with blood and sent back to the Mizbeach, but that is more removed from the mitzvah than the full utensil which actually has the blood inside right now. And so because of that, the, each Kohen should first receive and take the utensil which has blood inside, and only then should he give back the empty one. So they would continue doing this until they got to the end of the line next to the Mizbeach. Kohen akorets along the Mizbeach. The Kohen who is the nearest to the Mizbeach, Zokas Riko Achas, he throws the blood towards the Mizbeach in one act of throwing. Although when it comes to most Korbanus, the blood is thrown on all of the corners, or two of the corners. When it comes to the Korban Pesach, it's only thrown towards one corner. All of the blood is thrown like that. Kineged HaYisoyed, opposite or above the Yisoyed, which was at the bottom of the Mizbeach, around part of the Mizbeach, it was not around the entire Mizbeach, but around part of the Mizbeach there was a sort of platform, which was one armor wide and one armor tall. It didn't go around the entire Mizbeach, but part of it it did. And the blood needs to be thrown on the side of the Mizbeach at a point where it's above a part of the Mizbeach which has the Yisoyed. So we throw it on the Mizbeach above where the Yisoyed is. Mishnah Zayin. Yodzokasvashayin are the first group of the Jewish people who filled up the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. They left once they had all brought their Korbanos. And then, Yodzokasvashayin, the second group of Klai Yisrael entered Yodzokasvashayin. 
the second group left once they had done everything, the Nechus and then the third group would enter into the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. Kemaisa HaRishayna, exactly the same things which the first group needed to do, exactly the same were the actions of the second and third group. And now the Mishnah adds another thing which they did in each of the groups, and that is Koros HaHalel. They recited the Halel as they were bringing the Korbanos Pesach. According to most, we're referring to the Leviim, that the Leviim would sing Halel, as the Avedah of the Karbonis was going on. And in Gomru, if they finished saying Halel before all of the Karbonis of everybody there had been brought, then Shonu, they would repeat it a second time. They would start again, Vim Shonu, if they did it a second time, and the Karbonis still hadn't all been brought, then Shileshu, they would say Halel a third time again, because the service had to be accompanied by Halel. But the Mishnah notes, Afal Pisha Mayhem, even though it never actually happened that they reached the third time saying Halel, because the Karnim would act very quickly, and there were many, many Karnim there in the Beis Hamikdash, and so things were done quite quickly, relatively speaking, and they would not actually ever reach a third reciting of Halel. And Rabbi Huda says, We Mayhem shall cast delicious, in all of the days of the third group, Lehigulo Hashem, the Levim never even reached the part of Hallel of Vahavtia Kishma Hashem, even the first time they recited it, because the people, the members of the third group, were small. Everybody wanted to perform the mitzvah as soon as possible. They had Zerizus, so the third group was not a large group because everybody wanted to do it as soon as possible to perform the mitzvah. And so therefore there weren't a lot of people to bring the Karbanos, so they were brought much quickly, and the Levim did not even have time to say even one full Hallel. Just like the actions which were done on a regular weekday, if Erev Pesach fell on a regular weekday, so too it would be done like that in exactly the same way if Erev Pesach fell on Shabbos. The service of the Korban Pesach overrides Shabbos, and everything we mentioned would be done in exactly the same way. Elo, except that there was one thing which the Chachomim preferred and said that what should not be done on Shabbos, but the Karnim nevertheless still did. And that is, the Karnim would wash the floor of the courtyard, which was not according to the desire of the Chachamim. And as the Gemara explains, there was a stream of water which went through the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. And because there was so many Korbanos being brought, there would end up being lots of blood on the floor. So in order to clean it every now and then, they would close up the stream for a little while, until the stream reached its top and overflowed slightly onto the floor of the Beis HaMikdash. And that way, that way they would use that water to clean the floor of the courtyard from the blood. And then when they would open up the stream again, this would flow back into the stream with the blood. Now, Mujabon, it's forbidden to wash floors on Shabbos, or even to sweep earth floors, because there are lots of holes in the earth and you might come to fill in the holes, perhaps with other earth, but that is forbidden on Shabbos. It's considered a bit like building, and so Mujabon, it's forbidden to wash the floor on Shabbos. And even though there's a general rule that Ein Shavus Bamikdash, the rabbinic prohibitions of Shabbos do not apply in the Beis Hamikdash, nevertheless, at least according to this opinion, this is only true for things which are necessary for the service of the Beis Hamikdash. But since washing the floor is not part of any of the actual service of the Beis Hamikdash, it's not part of any bringing of Karbanas, for example, so for things like that, the rabbinic prohibition still applies. And therefore the Chachomim were not happy about this, but nevertheless, this is what was done, and no change was made on Shabbos. Rabbi Huda says, They would fill up a cup, this is talking about on any day, not just Shabbos, they would fill up a cup of all the mixed types of bloods which are on the floor, all the different types of bloods which are there from the day's Karbanos, and taking all of that blood in a cup, he would throw that blood as one throw onto the Mizbeach. Now what exactly is going on here? 
So depending on when the blood spills from the animal onto the floor depends on whether it can be valid for the Mizbeach or not. And the two main types of blood are Damha Nefesh and Damha Tamtsis. Damha Nefesh refers to the blood which comes out of the animal's neck as soon as it is slaughtered. So that initial run of blood outside of the body, all of that blood is known as Damha Nefesh. And that is really what the Kohen catches in his utensil and passes down the line until it's thrown onto the Mizbeach. The Dama Nefesh is the main blood which is thrown onto the Mizbeach. Dama Tamtis refers to the blood which comes out after that initial flow of blood, and throwing that blood onto the Mizbeach is not considered a service for the Korbanos. Now, most of the blood which would be on the floor would be the Dama Tamtis, which one does not fulfill any service of the Korbanos by throwing onto the Mizbeach. The reason being that the Dama Nefesh was mostly, and pretty much all of it, was caught by the utensils by the Karnim. As soon as they would shecht and slaughter the animals, they would catch the, the Dama Nefesh, the original blood which flows out of the animal, in their utensil. So most of the blood which would end up on the floor was the blood which comes out after that. Now in general there is a rule that if two different substances are mixed together, then the majority, whichever substance takes up more of the mixture, that is Mavatel, it nullifies the other substance in the mixture, and we view it all as, this, as if it is the substance which makes up the majority. Now in this case, the majority of the blood on the floor and by extension, the majority of the blood which he picks up in the cup is going to be the Dharmatamtsis, the blood which flows out later on from the animal, which is not part of the service of the Beis Hamikdash. So if that's the majority, it's going to nullify the Damha Nefesh, which is going to be part of the service of throwing on the Mizbeach, which means that we would treat it all as if it's Dharmatamtsis. So throwing on the Mizbeach is like doing nothing. So why does Yehuda say that they would throw the blood onto the Mizbeach? The answer is, Yehuda holds that since both substances in this mixture are the same type of substance, at the end of the day they're both blood, Yehuda is of the opinion that bitol nullification does not apply to two substances of the same type. Yehuda holds ein dam mevatel dam, blood is not mevatel, it not, doesn't nullify other blood. Which means that when you throw it onto the Mizbeach, the part which is dam hanefesh is still considered dam hanefesh. And so there is a purpose in throwing it onto the Mizbeach, because it could be that for one of the korbanos, one of the animals, its dam hanefesh was not thrown onto the Mizbeach. So by picking up the blood from the floor, you're making sure, you know, chances are that included in this blood is dam hanefesh, which needs to be thrown onto the Mizbeach. However, the Chachom did not agree with Rehuda, because they hold that since the two different parts of the blood have different statuses, and one is considered valid blood, one is considered invalid blood, that is enough to cause nullification. We should test. The processing of the Korban Pesach continues. Once the animal had been slaughtered, they would begin to take apart the animal. And they would first take off the skin of the animal, the hide, and to do so they would tie, they would hang the animal from hooks on the wall to make it easier to peel the skin off. How would they hang, suspend the animal, and strip its skin off. Iron hooks were fixed onto the walls and to pillars, that on those hooks the animals would be placed in order to suspend them and take the skin off. Now, if you think about it, there were many, many people there, and not enough hooks. So, anybody who did not have a place, they didn't manage to get a hook to hang the animal and to strip it of its skin. There were thin, smooth sticks there. He would put a stick on his shoulder and his friend's shoulder. So they would support this stick on their shoulders. The soler, and they would suspend and tie the animal. They would hang the animal from that stick. 
and as they were holding it there, then they would take the skin off. says, If the 14th of Nisan fell on a Shabbos, then these sticks are considered mukta. Now, though in general, these sticks would not be considered mukta, because if you set them aside before Shabbos for the sake of a permitted use, then it's permitted to move them. The prohibition of mukta, which means that you can't move things which are set aside from use on Shabbos, that doesn't apply to things which you set aside to use on Shabbos. Nevertheless, there are many different stages of the prohibition, the rabbinic prohibition of mukta. At different points in the history of the Jewish people, there were different stringencies of mukta, and originally they were very strict. And they basically said that pretty much all utensils which have any forbidden use cannot be moved on Shabbos, except for a few. Even if you set it aside to use it for a permitted use, you cannot use it on Shabbos, you cannot move it on Shabbos. So during that time, this would be considered mukta. And so therefore, what should you do if you haven't got a hook? You can't use these sticks, so what should you do? One should place his hand on his friend's shoulder, and his friend's hand should be on his shoulder. And then, they should hang the animal off of their arms. Together, both their arms should be strong enough, and then take the skin off like that. Now, one last point which is worth noting is that even if the stick was considered mukta, again, that's a rabbinic prohibition, and there's a rule that ain't shavus amikdosh. Ain't shavus amikdosh means that rabbinic prohibitions of Shabbos do not apply in the base amikdosh. So even if it is considered mukta, why did Rebbe forbid one to use the sticks? The answer is, according to Rebbe the rule of ain't shavus amikdosh is also very limited. And if there's a way to do it without violating the rabbinic prohibition, then it is forbidden even in the base amikdosh, according to Rebbe